Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Very familiar portion of Scripture to a lot of people. Verse 1 we'll begin with. As soon as I get my iPad to cooperate. Technology is great, so it doesn't work. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me stop there this morning, and let me start with this. When I read this scripture, and I read it, you know, I I thought about this this morning. I'm gonna, the title of this message, which you probably already saw, is this, I run because he ran. How many know the fact of the matter that he ran makes it easier for me to run today? And I'm gonna bring that out to you in a few points today. You see, when I read this verse, from this verse, I see several things at work. One, Bible says I'm surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Exactly how that works, I don't know. What I do know is that these witnesses are there for my encouragement, my teaching, my examples. How many of you appreciate being able to pick up the Word of God and read about individuals who had a relationship with God, used by God? You can see their ups, their downs, their ins, their outs, their trials, their tribulations, and see how this great, incredible God that we serve how he dealt with humanity. How many of you appreciate that? Good, I'm glad, all of you, right? Amen. Now, what I, when I read these stories of these heroes of faith, I find hope, I find faith, I find encouragement. From this verse, I see that I have a race set before me, a race to run. How long that race is, I don't know. When will it end, I don't know. How many, of you, how many of you wished you knew the exact moment it was going to end for you? No? I think it would change the way a lot of us would live. I really think it would change a lot of the way in which some of us live, don't you think? Like if I knew that, and I, I, I want to live to be 110. Yeah, that way I can outlive Micah. <laughs> I'm trying to kill that fan. It's driving me nuts above my head. Tell her to take care of that. All right? What I do know is that I have a race set before me, a race to run. How long it is, I don't know. When will it end, I don't know. What all was entailed in that race, I don't know. There's been things that have happened in my life, this race, that I never imagined. Good and bad. How many of you had good and bad things you never imagined would happen in your life? I've had both of those. I know in the race, that there's times I get tired, I get weary. There are uphills, there are downhills. There are moments of joy, moments of pain. There are moments when the race is easier and moments when it's harder. I was thinking this morning as I was looking over these notes that last year, last May, I I got talked into running a race in Johnstown. I ran seven and a half miles called the Path of the Flood. And guess what, I didn't do it this year. (laughs) Why? Not doing that again. All right? 
It was like uphill and downhill and in the mud. And then some of it was on the road and I had to build up to it. Get that nonsense. I'm going golfing. All right. <laughs> okay. At least in golf, I got a cart. You know what I'm saying? But the Bible tells me from this verse, I'm encouraged to throw off any encumbrance and sin so that I can run the race easier. You know, there's a reason runners wear scanty clothing. Have you ever seen that stuff? The shoes are about as light as you can get. How about those shorts? Huh? Trust me, I have none of those. <laughs> like, you know, those real flimsy nylon. Oh, dear Jesus, hope he doesn't wear those. Those kind. All right? There's a reason, that, there's a reason they wear these light shirts and these light shorts. All right? There's a reason for that. It's easier to run. From this verse, I'm told where to fix my eyes. Where to put my focus? Where to put my focus as I run this race? How many, know, in a, how many know this? In a race, have you ever done any running of long distance and get bored? Oh, man, how about a gen? I mean, I have run, and I'm just like bored. Let me tell you what happens when I get bored running. I take a turn here. I take a turn there. All right? I, I tell my wife, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go downtown. I want to run around town. I'm going to run this route. Very rarely does that ever happen. I'm almost always deviating from the course because I get bored and I want to experience something new. I want to see something new. And so I'm running all over the place, right? It tells me where to put my focus when I run this race. In a race, you get bored, you get lost, you can deviate from the path. What is it in this race of faith that keeps me focused and keeps me from getting lost? What is it that keeps me from getting discouraged? What is it that keeps me from quitting? Because have you ever wanted to quit? Nobody? I want to tell you that it's not a what that keeps me focused. It's not a what that keeps me running. It's a who. The Bible says to fix my eyes on Jesus. And he's the one who keeps me from getting sidetracked and distracted and wanting to catch. And I get encouragement for him. So what I want to do this morning is when I was reading the scripture the other day, I was thinking to myself, what I want to do is the Bible says to fix our eyes on Jesus. And in that verse, it says the author and perfecter of our faith. But there are six titles in the book of Hebrews that I'm going to pull out today. And I'm going to use those six titles and I'm going to connect them to a function of Jesus that enables us and causes me to run the race in a certain fashion. And I know what you're doing. You're doing the math. Six things. If he takes 10 minutes for each thing, we're going to be here forever. Ah, trust me. Trust me. I mean, I can talk fast. Some of you say, yes, we know he can talk fast. I won't spend a lot of time on some of them because the first two we've already done. A couple of weeks ago, we did a message on this, uh, these first two, but I want to refresh our memory. The Bible says, first of all, that in, in um, Hebrews chapter 3, that Jesus was the apostle and high priest of our confession. That's an amazing verse. That verse I absolutely fell in love with. That he's the apostle and he is the uh, uh, high priest of our confession. Now think about this. First of all, let me talk to you about Jesus the apostle. Jesus the apostle. What is an apostle? It's a delegate. It's a messenger. One sent forth as an ambassador. Just like we send ambassadors from the United States to other countries. You understand this. When Jesus walked the earth, he was God's ambassador. He was God's apostle. Why did God send him as the apostle onto this earth? Because what Jesus was doing is he, through his apostolic function, was presenting the God of heaven to the men of the earth. 
Do you understand today, without Jesus, we never had a 100% vision of what God looked like? That through Jesus, I see the ways of God, the works of God, the words of God. I've got a revelation of how God thinks, of how God acts, of how God works. I have a revelation of him through Jesus. The apostolic Jesus came, appointed by God, to walk into the kingdoms of this world, to put on display the kingdoms of God, to show the king and the kingdom. He came with the words and the works of the Father. He came in the character of the Father. Listen to me this morning. Jesus, not Paul, not Peter, not James, and not John, is the exact replication of God. Aren't you glad? There are some people that will take the words of Paul, use them as a hammer, and not use them in the spirit of Jesus. How many know if you take the words of Paul without the spirit of Jesus, you'll cause damage? Another message for another day. He came in the authority of the Father. He came in the power of the Father. The life of Jesus was an apostolic mission to present the God of heaven to the men of the earth. I love the fact that I can pick up the Gospels and I can tell you how God deals with sinners. I can tell you what God thinks of religion and legalism. I can tell you what God thinks of hypocrisy. I can tell you what God thinks of things. Why? Because the Bible shows me how Jesus dealt with it. The next time you're dealing with somebody's sin and you're not doing it the way Jesus did, I'm going to tell you what, you need another revelation of how to do it. The life of Jesus was an apostolic mission to reveal this God, okay? The perfect revelation. Jesus, the apostle, causes me to run my race knowing the ways of God, knowing the works of the Father. Now, let me go on to the next part. Jesus, the high priest. So the apostolic function of Jesus which is show God to the world. The high priestly function was something different. The apostolic function was while he was living. The high priestly function was what he did in his death and his burial. All right? The high priestly function was what? It was where Jesus represented sinful men to holy God. The apostolic function was him showing God to us. The high priestly function was him standing in the gap for me. Him making atonement for me. Him bringing a sacrifice for me. Listen to me. Without the high priestly function of Jesus, how many know we'd all be lost? Without the high priestly function of Jesus, there'd be no forgiveness for sin. Right? Sin demanded a sacrifice. Sin demanded a blood covering. The high priest would bring an offering on behalf of sinful men to atone for the sins of men. Jesus brought an offering. What did he bring? Himself, the Lamb of God put on the altar of Calvary, where he took that blood into the holy place, where that blood was applied to the mercy seat, which is who? Which is Jesus. And the Shekinah glory comes down, met there, and now you and I have the ability to be forgiven of our sin. This high priestly function represented sinful men to a holy God. Let me move on. See how fast I did two points? Don't worry, it'll slow down. I don't want you to get your hopes up. But then the Bible says in this verse that we read this morning that Jesus, the author of our faith, that word means one that takes the lead in anything, that one that sets an example, a predecessor in a matter, a pioneer, the author. It's a funny thing. This word is, yeah, I can say it, 
<laughs> Never mind what it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a Greek word that I can't say this morning. Amen? All right? And there's four places in the scripture it's used. Acts chapter 3, when Peter said, you killed the originator of life. Acts chapter 5, God exalted Jesus to his right hand as leader and savior. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says about Jesus that it was fitting for him for whom through whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory to make the pioneer of their salvation perfect. And then there's this one, author. So originator, leader, pioneer, and author all meant the same. How many of you know this morning that you and I would have no faith if he didn't initiate it? Do you understand this morning he's the initiator? How many know you were not the initiator of your relationship with God? You just weren't. He's the one calling you. He's the one who's drawing you. He's the one whom the Holy Spirit's beckoning to come to him. Without him, how many know it is not in you to do it without a drawing from him? That he's the initiator of it. I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus, the author of my faith. Without Jesus beginning my faith story, there would be no faith story. I wouldn't have a faith story. I, I just wouldn't. We often talk about how we found Jesus. I mean, the Bible talks about how he found us. Think about this. Okay, here we go. Test, right? We got four dots in the transformation logo. The four dots. What do those four dots mean? That's our transformation trail of our life. Come on. Where's my Tyrone section? Rick, I know you know them. Yell them out. Yell them loud. Man, I love that section over there. <laughs> I know the rest of you over here are saying such suck-ups. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, listen to me. We have a transformation trail as part of our church. Those four dots in our logo are to remind us that. That we were lost, we were found, we grow, and we go. We're a transformed person. But that transformation doesn't happen unless he took the initiation of our faith. He's the beginning of our faith. I can mark, say to you, that there's a point where he comes to you with an invitation. He comes to you with an initiation. He's the author of our faith. The Bible says he's the perfecter of our faith. He's my apostle. He's my high priest. He's the author of my faith. And he's the perfecter of my faith. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what. There's a couple different meanings. Some think it has to do with that he's the one who works in us. How many know he does? Molds us, shapes us. How many of you know that if you got saved 20 years ago, you should be better today than you were 20 years ago? Huh? How many of you know that the fruit of salvation is a new creation? I don't think any of us should be the same person we were when we got saved. How many know if we were critical when we get saved, maybe some of that should have dwindled away. If we were bitter when we got saved, how many think we should lose some bitterness? How many, how many know you can go on and on? How many know today we are different today because of the working of the Holy Spirit inside of us? But because we know what the scripture says, that he who began a good work will what? He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, but, I want you to hear another meaning to this, right? The perfecter word, the Greek means one who has in his own person raised faith to its perfection. And so to set before us the highest example of faith. 
Do you know who my standard of righteousness is? Jesus. Do you know who our standard of holiness is? Jesus. Do you know who our standard of love is? Jesus. Do you know who our standard of faith is this morning? You see, the Bible says that Jesus is the perfecter. He's the one that set a standard. He's the one that has raised faith to its perfection. He is the one who has set before us the highest example of faith. It's amazing to me sometimes how we want to set an example of faith that doesn't look like Jesus. As great as Pastor Peter is, He's not the standard of faith. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I learned what not to do from him. <laughs> as great as Mike is at being a youth pastor running the youth network, he's not the standard. The standard is Jesus. So now listen to me this morning. You see, because let me tell you what I like. When I want to look into my life, I'd rather compare myself with some of you. Because to some of you, I come out looking better. Except when I compare myself with Dick Weber, then I look like Lucifer. (laughs) Listen, we love to compare ourselves with each other because I can find some fault in you that I don't have and now I feel better about me. Like I said, I used to tell you all the time, I feel really, really bad about how much hair I have compared to Micah. The chia pet on feet. Just add water, it grows. But I feel really good compared to Pastor Henry. But he makes bald look good. Like we love, but we don't, don't we love to do this in the spiritual realm as well? I like to compare myself with you. Well, I don't do this, but you do, and you do that, and I don't do that. I mean, we love that nonsense. Hmm? No, 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 no. You listen to me and hear me well. The standard of perfection is Jesus. The perfecter, the standard, the one who set the bar. All right? The one who set the standard is Jesus. So now, for me, when I'm running this race of life, I'm running this race of life. I run it knowing the ways of God because of Jesus, the apostle. I run it knowing that I've been forgiven of my sin Because of Jesus, the high priest, I'm fixing my eyes on him. When the devil comes and tells me I'm not forgiven, I say, no, no, no. The one I got my eyes fixed on says I am. When when I'm running this race, and and, and, and I'm like, I got to remember, wait a minute. I didn't start this in me. He started this in me. And then when I'm running this race, and I get the urge to begin to compare myself with somebody else. Or people are comparing themselves with me. I said, no, 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 no. The perfecter of my faith, the standard, is Jesus. So I'm going to run this race without comparing myself to you. I'm going to run, my, run this race comparing myself to Jesus. The perfecter, Jesus the perfecter, sets before us the standard for the race of faith. And then there's another scripture in Hebrews that talks about Jesus the mediator. Have you ever needed a mediator? How many of you have ever mediated between your children? 
when Aaron was beating up the boys, her mother had to come to be the mediator. Isn't it ironic that she was too rough to play with the boys? And now she's got all boys. <laughs> what? I can't hear you. I'm, I'm old. You have to yell loud. <laughs> it's all for that section. Listen to me for a moment. The mediator. Jesus the mediator. What does that mean for me? All right, let me read you a couple of scriptures. All right. One is Timothy. For there's one God and one intermediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 9. And so Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the eternal inheritance he promised. Do you understand this morning that my Jesus became my mediator between me and God? Now, what does this mean for us? What it means is now I run the race with confidence because I know Jesus, the mediator, intervened between me and God. This word means that it's that person who intervenes between two in order to make or restore peace and friendship. Mm. My sin was an affront to God. My sin, the Bible says, made me an enemy of God. How many of you know we don't really want to be an enemy of God? I mean, you can pick better enemies than God. You're not winning that one. That there's this division that took place. That there's this separation that took place between me and God. And how was this peace going to be restored? How am I going to be restored to God? The Bible says very clearly that it's Jesus who did it. That Jesus restored peace for me with God. He restored friendship with God. Do you understand this morning that God is your friend? Some people don't like that. It's true, though. That I run this race with confidence because I know Jesus, the mediator, ratified a new covenant between myself and God. And so now I put my eyes on the mediator of that covenant. There's a lot of times in your life where the enemy will try to bring you under condemnation, will try to come at you, to bring you under, to get you to a place where you think you cannot be accepted by God, you're not accepted by God. But how many know without the mediator, you're not accepted by God? But it's Jesus who did the mediating that makes it possible for you and God to come back together. So now what do I do? I fix my eyes as I'm running this race. Because how many know the enemy's coming in and trying to trip you up on this race? To get you off the race, to get you detoured from the race. And I got this mediator. And the mediator, here's what the mediator does in my life. Jesus, the mediator, causes me to run towards God, not away from God. I'm not afraid of God. Now, how many know we have a healthy fear of God? But the point is, I'm not afraid of God. I'm not running away from him. I'm running towards him. Why do I run towards him? Because Jesus was the mediator who restored relationship, restored peace, restored friendship. And now I run towards him. You see, all these are functions of Jesus. These functions of Jesus, the Bible says, are, let me rephrase that. When I'm running this race, the Bible tells me to put my eyes on Jesus. And when I put my eyes on Jesus, I see him in all of his glory. I see him in all of his offices. I see him in all of his functions. That he was the one 
who shows me how to run this race knowing how God thinks and how God acts in that apostolic function. That I run this race knowing that I am a recipient of the offering the high priest took to Calvary's cross and represented me before a holy God. I could not stand there without the high priestly function of Jesus Christ. And now, I look at this and I know now that he's the one who came as the author and the initiator of my faith. So now the race I run, I run because he started it. And now I run it according to the standard that he has set. Because he's the mediator, I run towards God. But there's one I'm going to spend a few moments on this morning. It talks to me in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And it says this, that Jesus is our forerunner. Let me read this to you. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. Having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This word, forerunner, one who is sent before. One who is to be a scout, a spy. One who comes in advance to a place where the rest are to follow. <laughs> Jesus was my forerunner to a place where I'm to follow him too. How many have ever been glad you've had a forerunner to get through some places? How many have ever had to follow somebody in a car through places that you did not know how to get through? The first time I ever, you know, I didn't have a forerunner, but I had a right-hand man. The first time I ever drove in New York City, I was 25 years old. I was driving a 66-passenger school bus. Never been to New York City in my life, and that was my first visit. What I found out was taxi drivers know how to get around, but they don't know how to tell you how to get around. Because the guy sitting next to me was a taxi driver from New York, and I'm thinking, he's going to get me through. He's going to be my forerunner. He's going to be the one guiding me. And he had no clue. Then I found out, I thought, well, this guy's from New York. He'll know how. No, he didn't know how either. You know why? The reason he didn't know how is because he always took public transportation. And when you're always taking public transportation, how, you know, you don't know how to get around on your own. So I'm in a 66-passenger bus. Oh, Jesus, we need your intervention. Driving the bus. What I found out years later, it's easier to drive the bus in New York City. It was a car. I'm bigger than the rest of them. <laughs> aim at them and they move it was great <laughs> but then I had somebody had to lead me through so I would know how to go and how to miss places I had a forerunner to get me through the mess here's what the Bible tells me Jesus was my forerunner Jesus ran before me to defeat sin Jesus ran before me to the cross Jesus ran before me to the holy place Jesus ran before me to the grave and defeated death. Jesus ran before me to the right hand of the Father. You see, it's this forerunner in my life. I've got a forerunner. And now what I know is, first of all, that Jesus, the forerunner, he ran before me 
So now I can run. Do you understand this morning, the reason I can run this morning, the reason I can run this race is because my Jesus ran it before I did. He's not asking us to run a race he didn't run. He's not asking us to do that. He runs this race, and and here's what he does. He left me tracks to follow so I can run the race according to his pattern. You ever track somebody? I have. How many many hunters? Any other hunters ever track deer? How many hunters ever track another hunter? I have. We had a young man one time, and we'd come and live with us in different times, and so he wanted to go hunting one year, and so he got lost. We're out in the woods, and finally he got lost, and so I said to Dad, I'll go find him. So off I go. I'm tracking him because I follow where he is. And so I'm tracking him through the woods. As I'm tracking him, I did shoot a deer. <laughs> like, oh, look. Okay. All right. So I shoot the deer. I go over to the deer. And all of a sudden, I hear this running through the woods. As I hear this running through the woods, I look up and I see the young man who got lost. And he is scared to death. He's running at me. His coat is unbuttoned. You can see that scared, panicked look in his face. He's running at me in a dead run with a .30-06 rifle. And I stood behind a tree. I got behind the tree. The reason I got behind the tree was I was not dying that day in the woods. And I looked out and I said, dude, put the gun down. Because I'm telling you, it was dangerous. So he put the gun down. I said, come here. He was scared to death because he was so lost. All right. But I found him because I followed his tracks. Listen to me. Jesus has left a trail for us to follow. Jesus has left a path for us to follow. When you pick up the Bible, and you're, you know, some, so, sometimes we understand we don't know how to run the race because you're not looking at the forerunner. Look, out, look at the forerunner and you'll know how to run the race. Some of you are trying to figure out how to navigate life. Read the Gospels. Quit trying to navigate life without Jesus. Quit trying to navigate life without reading the words of Jesus and the life of Jesus. You're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to do it in your own thinking. Your own, and, it's, and, and quite frankly, our own thinking is generally an affront to him. The forerunner showed me how to run this race and navigate this race when temptation comes. Come on, when temptation comes, what do you do? You pick up the word of God and speak to that temptation. He shows us this. Temptation. He showed me how to run this race with a life that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Bible says, was a man just like us, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I learned how to run this race. Because Jesus was my forerunner, he showed me how to run this race in relationship to the Father. Jesus, the forerunner, set the path for me to run. How many of there's only one path to how many of there's only one path to God? No matter what you hear in the world, I'm telling you this morning, there's one path to God. And that path was blazed by Jesus, and that path is Jesus. It's not by works. It's not by good works. It's not by how much money you give, although give lots of money and we'll try to get you there, okay? Just teasing. (laughs) Just having some fun with the treasurer over there. He showed me how to run this race. He set the path for me to run the race. I run the race with confidence because Jesus ran before me. He shows me the pattern. I run it, it's easier to run because he's blazed the trail. Jesus ran before me to the cross. Therefore, I run with my cross. Remember what Jesus says? 
Deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. He ran to the cross. Now I run with my cross. How many know most of us don't like to run with the cross? Hmm? I'd rather do this thing without sacrificing. I'd rather do this thing without denying myself. Can I get an amen? How many know it's not in our nature to deny ourselves? You see, now I run. I'm going to follow the forerunner to the cross. I follow the forerunner to the holy place. Jesus ran before me to the grave. How many know he won victory over the grave? And because he ran to the grave, how many know I can be fearless of death? I don't have to fear death. I don't want to die tomorrow or today. Told you, going for 110. You know why? Figure this out. I'm with 55 today. No, not today. This week. I know you're hard to. I know what you're thinking. It's hard to believe you're that young. <laughs> Trust me. I was up in that firewall the other day. I was feeling 55. <laughs> Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's loving kindness leads us to repentance. What I have found out is firewall has driven me to repentance. <laughs> <laughs> 55, I figured I'm going to be 55, I'm I'm going for 110. Amen? I run the race with confidence before me because Jesus ran before me. The one who runs before me causes me to run after him. And I'm going to close with this. Something that just was so special to me this week. You see, all these things. And then there was one that I just love. Let me recap. You see, the Bible tells me to fix my eyes on Jesus. So I'm going to fix the eyes on my apostle. I know what God looks like through Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on my high priest, knowing that he made an offering for me and I can run. I'm going to fix my eyes on the one who initiated my faith. And I'm going to fix my eyes on the one who's the standard. And I'm going to fix my eyes on that mediator who made a way for me to have peace with God. And I'm going to fix my eyes on the one who was the forerunner so I can run after him. And one of the places that I follow him, let me read it to you. You can read it in a couple different places, but I'll pick one. Hebrews chapter 13. Actually, let me go to chapter 12 because it's part of the context of that whole scripture. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all the earth and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. How many know the Bible says this morning that I have come to the city of the living God? Let me read you another verse in Hebrews chapter 13. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go with him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For we, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we're seeking the city which is to come. 
Here's what I know. I love this. When I pick up the Word of God and I read the Word of God, I read about this city that my forerunner has run to, that this forerunner has made access for me, that I can go to this city. Let me tell you about this. Can I tell you about this city for a moment? That Jesus, the forerunner, ran to a city, not of this world. So I run to a city, not of this world. My eyes are not fixed on anything in this world. My eyes are not fixed on the cities of this world. My eyes are not fixed on the people of this world. My eyes are not fixed on the things that this world has to offer. But my eyes are fixed on the one who has run to a place that's not of this world. Let me read to you a little bit about this city. John said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea, and I saw the holy city. Come on, Troy. Let me tell you about the holy city. You know what that means? It was set apart. It was sacred. How many know there's no sacred cities in this world? I've been to the holy city of India, what's called Varanasi. Troy and I have been there where they put bodies in the river hoping they go to heaven. I've been where they put the ashes. I've been where they burn the bodies. I've been there where they had to buy turtles and put them in the river to eat the bodies. What a crazy place. Never forget driving from the airport into Varanasi. And I look out the window and I see a car that's got a body on top of it. I'm like, whoa, we ain't in Kansas no more, Toto. That's a dead body. And they're taken into what they called the holy city. How many know there's only one holy city? It's a holy city, a new Jerusalem that's going to come down out of heaven. This new city, the one that says God made ready as a bride. Come on, how many, uh, just this weekend, Lindsay got married here. That's right. It was a great time, had a great time. But let me tell you what I know about brides. They spend a whole lot of time getting ready for that wedding. Like they're primping and they're styling and they're doing nails and pedicures and manicures and hair and makeup and just everything. Why? Because when they're coming in, that dude's standing up and going, <laughs> yeah, I am one lucky man. Do you understand, listen to me, that this city is something being prepared for you. This city is being prepared for you and I. Jesus said what? He said, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. There's a city being prepared for the church, for his believers. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Can you imagine a city with no tears? No tears. How many of you ever get tired of shedding tears? There'll be no longer death. How many know death causes pain? Death causes tears. Well, we got a city that our forerunner went to. You see, so what does that mean? That means today I mourn, but I also have joyful expectation. It means I mourn, but not as the rest of the world without, as men without hope. I mourn with hope. There's no more death. There's no more pain. There'll be no more mourning. There's no crying, no pain. The first order of things that passed away. You know, the Bible says this city, 
This city is going to be 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles high. Do you get the magnitude of that? If you left here today and you drove 1,500 miles, you'd just get over the other side of the Wyoming border. Pretty close. Maine to Florida, 1,500 miles. That's a city. 1,500 miles high. That's a city. (laughs) And the atmosphere of the city, the culture of this city is something you've never experienced. That you only experience because of the forerunner. This, this, Bible says there's no temple in it for the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are in it. And the city has no need of the sun and the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illuminated it. And the lamp is the lamp. Do you understand what the sun and moon are? How many like to see the sun? Haven't seen a lot of that this summer, have we? (laughs) I thought about this. There's not going to be any sun or moon in that city because the glory of God is going to illuminate it. I believe the sun and the moon are just a small measure of his glory revealed to us to light up this dark world. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their glory to it. The gates will never be closed. Hmm. You see, Jesus, my forerunner, paved the way for me. He showed me what the Father looks like. He showed me to the Father, represented me to the Father. He's my forerunner. He ran to the Father so I could run to the Father. He made it right between God and me. He initiated faith in my heart. He sets up a standard. And ladies and gentlemen, like the ancients, like the ancients, I live my life looking for a city whose architect found builder is God. Come on, church. This is not as good as it gets. I've been to some pretty cold places in my life. I've been to, had the privilege of going to some really cold cities. Been to Cairo. Love it. Loved Cairo. After I left there, all hell broke loose. It's kind of seemed to be a theme in my life <laughs> when I go to these places. New York. I love to go to New York. I love to go to the city. But I'm telling you this morning that we fix our eyes on Jesus. And we fix our eyes. And we're searching for a city not of this world whose architect and builder is God. And I now know how to get to that city. And how I get to that city is to a person named Jesus. Because let me tell you where this race of faith leads me. This race of faith, this race of faith doesn't just lead me to a city. This race of faith leads me to God. The glory of the city is not the city. The glory of the city is God. The glory of the city is not being gathered together with lost loved ones. Although how many think that's a pretty cool thing to imagine? 
the glory of the city is God. And the path and the race has been marked before us, but not without one who runs before us. Fix your eyes, man. Fix your eyes on the apostle. Fix your eyes on the high priest. Fix your eyes this morning on the author. Fix it on the perfecter. Fix it on the mediator. And all those roles, he was your forerunner. Father, this morning, I just pray, God, that we would come to a place where we understand that, man, we're running a race. We're running a race, and there's a lot of things that distract us. There's a lot of things that tug on us. A lot of things that pull on us. Distractions. There's a lot of things that there's grief, there's mourning, there's death. There's all these things that try to throw us off. There's temptation. There's all these things that get us to try to stop running this race, to quit. But Father, we fix our eyes on Jesus. And all those titles and all those functions breed something inside of me that causes me to run after the one who ran before me. (laughs) Thank you for your spirit in this house today. Father, this day, we put our eyes on your son and we run.